0: Grab your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, if you don't have a Bible, all the ones on the side table are missing, so more of you should bring your Bibles. Uh, Share with a friend next to you, that would be great. We have arrived at the end of this first section of Ephesians. And last week, uh, Pastor Chris, super thankful for him coming and sharing God's word with us, uh, brought us through Paul's closing prayer. So as we've been looking at this, we've kind of been saying that, hey, the first three chapters are like one sermon that Paul is preaching. He's already given his conclusion. And then what you looked at last week was his closing prayer to this sermon where he's asking that God would give his people strength, that he would empower them by the very power of the Holy Spirit of God and that he would enable them to comprehend the incomprehensible. That is that God's people would be able to know and understand and grasp the magnitude of God's love for us. Can you let that settle into your heart for just a moment? What Paul is saying is that God's love is so incomprehensible that it would take a work of the Holy Spirit of God for us to be able to comprehend that which we cannot comprehend otherwise. That God's love for you, believer in Christ, is of such great magnitude. Let that settle in your soul for a moment. Then he prays that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. That Christ Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who took on human flesh and died and rose again from the dead and now is seated in glory, that he would dwell in your heart and in my heart, brother and sister, through faith. Let that settle into your soul for just a moment. Follower of Christ, child of God, your father loves you with an incomprehensible kind of love and he desires so to be with you that he enables you by the power of the spirit of God at work in you to have a constant relationship with him as he indwells you so that you might be able to embrace, enjoy, and walk in his love. Well, tonight we're going to be looking just at two verses, verses 20 through 21. And just before we read those again, uh, I want to make this statement. God can do more in response to one prayer than a trillion people could in a trillion lifetimes. God can do more in response to one prayer than a trillion people in a trillion lifetimes could ever hope to accomplish. Let that settle into your soul for just a moment. We come to the end of Ephesians chapter 3, and Paul is considering everything that he's just been proclaiming for the last three chapters. And as he's considering this, as he's concluding it, as he's summarizing all that he's just said, he erupts in praise towards God. Uh, this kind of scripture, what you see here, it's called a doxology, doxa from the Greek word, uh, meaning glory, and it's all about like, as the person who's writing is just thinking about everything that they've just said, they cannot help but pour forth praise unto God Almighty. Like he is so captivated by the beauty, by the grandeur, and by the goodness of God that he cannot help but proclaim glory, glory, glory. So what is it that Paul's been saying? Why is Paul's God, the God of the Bible, the God that we've come here to worship, why is he so glorious? Why should it stop us in our tracks And cause us to proclaim his glory. Well because chapter 1. He blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Because he has adopted us as sons and daughters. Because he has redeemed us. He's bought us back by his blood. Because he's forgiven us. Because he's lavished His grace, giving to us what we do not deserve. He's lavished his grace upon us. And he has sealed us for that final day when all will stand in judgment before the Lord and we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God so that we who are in Christ can have nothing but confidence and hope and assurance and joy for when we stand before the Lord God Almighty and we know what our eternity will look like. Glorious. Chapter 2. He's glorious because He's resurrected us. That means you were dead and He made you alive. He's glorious because He's saved us from our sin and He's turned us from our rebellion. He's glorious because He's rescued us from the coming wrath. He's glorious because He's called people to Himself from every nation. He's given us a supernatural unity in Christ and he's given us access into his presence. Think about that for a moment. God Almighty welcomes you into his presence, child of God. The one who created you, the one who spoke and it came to be, the one who sustains you says, yeah, you're worthy to come into my presence, but not because of you, because of what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. Glorious. He's made us citizens of his kingdom, members of his household. Chapter three, he's glorious because he's revealed the mystery that was hidden for ages but has now been revealed that salvation is an open invitation and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what ethnicity, it doesn't matter what background, it doesn't matter what baggage, it doesn't matter what anything. All who come and cry out to the Lord for salvation, turning to him from sin in repentance and to him in faith might enjoy eternal salvation He's glorious because he's advancing the good news of his kingdom throughout the earth. And many are coming to embrace the unsearchable riches that are found in Jesus and only in Jesus. And so Paul gets to the end of working through all of this and he says, so glory to him forever and ever. Glory to him, glory to him, glory to him. And so he ends this chapter in verses 20 through 21 by saying this, now to him. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul ends this Section by praying and so tonight we're looking at how can we pray like Paul how can we pray with glory in view how can we pray in such a way that brings God's glory down into our lives and into this world so that many may see and fear and rejoice in who our God and Savior is and so uh, the first truth that we see here in this passage tonight is that God is able to do anything God is able to do anything. Look at the first couple words there in verse 20. Now to him who is able. God is able. There is nothing he cannot do. And we all know how frustrating it can be when we can't do something that we really, really want to do. We all know what it's like to have limitations, don't we? If some of you are like, no, I've never experienced that before, Um, okay, interesting. Uh, When life began, you were not able to do anything. Uh, Here's a picture of our son and daughter within the first year of their life. My son has always been very stoic and wise and has much to say, Uh, Everly has just always been that cute, Um, she's getting cuter all the time. But look at them. They're so cute and they're so helpless. We put him in that little tub there. He didn't get out. He couldn't get out unless we took him out. Everly's right there, not because she's comfortable. She's there because we put her there. And she cannot move unless we move her. They can't do anything. Uh, We put them down, they stay. They couldn't talk, they couldn't get their own food. They couldn't clean their dirty diapers, which was a real bummer. Uh, When we start life, it's only limitation. We cannot do anything. But as life goes on, we increase in ability. We can become to do more and more things. We keep increasing in our ability throughout life as we grow in both size and in competency. But at some point, we do reach a limit on the things that we can do. There are certain activities that you and I will just simply never be able to do. It might be an individual limitation or it might be a limitation on human beings in general. The point is, there's a limit to our ability. So for me, I can't play basketball. I'm really, really bad at basketball. My wife can attest to how bad I am at basketball. Uh, I can't reach things on the top shelf in a lot of circumstances. Uh, I can't sing. Ask Megan, she knows. Uh, I can't make sure that my children love Jesus. I can't make sure that my family is always safe. I can't do a lot of things. As humans, more generally speaking, we can't instantly cure an incurable disease. Uh, We can't fix a broken bone by snapping our fingers. We can't bring a dead person back to life. We can't speak anything into existence. We can't defy the physical laws of the natural universe. Can't, 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 can't. All the time we experience can't, cannot, is a massive part of our vocabulary as finite human beings. But can't is not a word that fits in the vocabulary of God. Now to him who is able, he's able to do anything, he's able to do all things, there's nothing that God cannot do. Look how the verse continues, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. I like that. Uh, it's like three words piled on top of each other that all mean the same exact thing, far more abundantly. It's like saying absolutely, positively, for sure, 100%, certainly. It's like, I get the point. You've just said synonyms like 12 in a row. Uh, that's what Paul's doing here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He's saying far more abundantly. That means way more than we can ask or think. Way, 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 way more than anything that we can even imagine God is able to do. The craziest, the biggest, the most extravagant realities that we can even begin to concoct in our minds do not hold a candle next to what God Almighty is able to do. He is able to do such great things that we can't even think about it. We can't even... Imagine them becoming part of our reality. Brothers and sisters, God is able to do anything. So let me ask you, what are you asking God to do in your life right now? Think back on this last week. Think about what you prayed about here today as the day's gone on. Do your prayers, do my prayers... Match the grandeur and the greatness and the ability of our God? Or if we're honest with ourselves, do we have kind of puny prayers? Like what's a big, big thing that you are, like you've worked hard on thinking and imagining and trying to figure out this massive thing that God can do to bring much glory to him and you have been crying out that God Almighty would do that. This is not to say that God our Father is unconcerned about the seemingly small things in our life. He is our Father and He cares deeply about all of the even minute details of our lives. Rather, what I'm saying as we look at this passage tonight is let's expand our thinking and consider the grand possibilities of what our God is able to do. Now, Just because God can do anything does not mean that God will do everything. Just because God can do anything does not mean that God will do everything. Uh, There are those who would believe that as long as we pray with enough faith then God will answer and he will answer according to our faith. And so if I'm asking the Lord for something and it's just not happening and the weeks go on and the months go on and the years go on and it's still not happening, it's because I'm deficient in my faith. It's because I don't believe hard enough. That's not true. That's not biblical. That's wrong. Look at your neighbor and say, bad. Bad. Wrong. Incorrect. False. False. Hear me on this, brothers and sisters. If you believe this, you will constantly go through life beat up and tortured, wondering why you can't have enough faith and why you can't just work hard enough and have enough belief so that God will do it. Just because God can do anything does not mean that God will do everything. Here's the reality, though. God does answer every single one of your prayers and of my prayers, believer in Christ. But he doesn't always answer them with a yes. Sometimes, God says, no, because I love you too much to do that. Sometimes, God says, not yet. You're not ready for that yet because I love you too much. Sometimes, God says, I get what you're praying and you think that sounds great, but I've got something so much better. Wait till you see what I have in store for you. And sometimes God simply says, yes, because I love you. God answers every single one of our prayers. And if you are in Christ, he answers every single one of his prayers out of love for you. And it may not seem like it, and it may not feel like it, but it is absolutely 100%, totally, and for sure true that God answers all of your prayers, believer in Christ, for your ultimate and eternal good because He loves you. So, how do we know, though, certain kinds of prayers that God will answer? Yes. Or God will answer, I have something even better. Look at verse 21, please. Ephesians 3, verse 21. He's picking up his sentence, by the way. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, to him, verse 21, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This verse is telling us that God will be glorified in his church and God will be glorified in the exaltation of Jesus Christ forever. Hear this. Look at me real fast, please. And don't miss this because this is so critical to knowing and understanding God. This is so critical and important to knowing and understanding how life works. Everything that God does is for the sake of his name. It is for the sake of his glory. And believer in Christ, it is out of love for you, his people. Everything that God does is for his glory and it's out of love for you, his people. See, this is the thing that's really, really mind blowing about God. He doesn't have to suspend one or the other. He doesn't have to say, in this moment, I'm going to act for my glory and I'm going to put away my love for my people. Or He doesn't say, you know what? I'll put my glory off to the side because I've been getting a lot of glory lately and they just sang a lot of songs about glory, so I can kind of put that off and then I can come over here and just love my people well. No, no, no. The way that God, in His infinite wisdom and beauty, has designed it is that in everything that God is doing, He's doing it for his glory and out of love for his people, never suspending one or the other. Because God receives glory by loving his people, causing his people to love him and to reflect more and more of his glory. This is the way he set it up before the ages. This is the way that God set it up before the foundations of the earth. And I think sometimes we can kind of get too heavy on one side or the other. And it's like, it's all God's glory and you're just a chess piece in his big cosmic game of bringing glory to his name. And we can get so far on the other side, where it's like God loves you and God just wants you to be happy and this and that. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's both of these things always working together according to the infinite wisdom of God and according to the incomprehensible ability of God. His glory and love for his glory people so friends God is able to do anything and God will do everything that brings him glory so what brings glory to God Uh, two main categories of what brings glory to God two main categories of what we see here in the text in Ephesians chapter 3 first God will do everything that builds his church God will do everything that builds his church. Jesus promised that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The church is his bride and he loves his church and later in Ephesians chapter five, Paul is going to say that Jesus gave himself up for the church. So how might the Lord receive glory in building up his church? What does it mean for the Lord to do that? Three different ways, three different dimensions in which the Lord builds His church. Number one, He builds His church numerically. God builds His church numerically. Some of you who are fill in the blank people are freaking out right now. It's not on the screen, but feel free to freehand it in there, all right? Uh, God builds His church numerically. More and more people coming to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. More and more people embracing the Savior, turning from their sins and trusting in him. More and more people committing themselves to the Lord and to his people. More and more people living together on mission for the glory of God in their community. It means more and more people caring for one another and spurring one another on in their faith. He builds his church by having more and more people coming to him and bringing him glory. Brothers and sisters, these are prayers that God loves to hear and these are prayers that God loves to answer. When we cry out to him and we say, oh God, would you build your church? When we are doing this, we are praying according to the word of God. We are praying according to the will of God. We know that it's God's desire to build his church. Scripture tells us that he desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's promised that everyone who calls upon him to be saved will be saved. So God is building his church numerically, and we should pray that God continues to do so. That means that we should pray for specific people in our lives that do not know Jesus, that they would come to know the living God that they would have hearts that are humbled before him and that they would see their desperate need for God Almighty to save them in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We should pray for that specifically. That means that we should pray holistically as a church, that as we continue to gather week in and week out that more and more people would be drawn and that more and more people would have an encounter and begin a relationship with God Almighty. We should be praying for one another as we come to small group and we say, hey, I've got this friend in school. They seem so far from the Lord. It's like they could never come to the Lord. It would take a miracle. And then together as brothers and sisters, you are in a group together and you get on your knees before the Lord and you cry out, oh God, would you save so-and-so? And And throughout the week, you text your friend and say, hey, I remember you shared about so-and-so. I'm praying for them. I'm asking that the Lord would do a work in their heart and draw them to repentance and faith. We should pray for one another as we go into our spheres of influence that God would continue to use us to build his church numerically. Second dimension of how God builds his church, he builds his church in diversity. God is gathering to himself people from every tribe, every language, every tongue, and every nation. God's word tells us that the gospel is to be proclaimed to every nation and then comes the end. And gathered there around the throne of grace for all eternity will be people of every color, people of every language, people from every background. And it will be a beautiful gathering because it will be diverse And it will be evident that God's glory and gospel have gone to the ends of the earth. I think in Avon school systems, there's more than 60 different languages represented. Do you know what that means? It means that God has literally brought the nations to your doorstep. And that you have an opportunity every time that you walk in through your school doors, Monday through Friday... To be advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth simply by showing up for pre-algebra or whatever. Yeah, you're there and that's important and do that to the glory of God, but you're there for more than that, brother or sister in Christ. You're there to be able to share the gospel with those from every nation and God is building his church in diversity. Third dimension, final dimension. God is building his church in godliness, in depth, He is at work in his church to perfect his bride. He is sanctifying those for whom he is for all time perfected by his sacrifice. He is helping us and enabling us become who we already are in Christ. That's the Christian life. Positionally, you are holy. That when God looks at you, he sees Jesus in his perfect righteousness. But you and I both know that we are not completely righteous. And so progressively, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. We're growing in righteousness. We're growing in godliness. We're growing in Christ-likeness. God predestined us not simply to be saved, but also to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. You guys want to know the answer to a big question that you're asking? Uh, Don't raise your hand or anything, but how many of you are asking, what is God's will for my life? I would venture to say that 90% of the people in this room are asking that question, have asked that question, or are even tormented by that question, what is God's will for my life? There's actually a passage of scripture that begins like this. It says, this is God's will for you. You guys know this one? You're like, oh, tell me, please, I gotta know. Uh, This is God's will for you, your sanctification. That means you're becoming more like Jesus. That's what God's doing in your life. And that's what God's will is for your life, brother and sister in Christ. You're like, no, 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 but I wanna know where to go to college. I wanna know what I'm supposed to do. Hey, listen, God is far more interested in who you're becoming rather than in what you're doing doing like job-wise, that kind of thing. Who we're becoming is far more important to the Lord than the activities that we busy ourselves with. And God is far more concerned that his children are becoming more and more like his son. That's what God wants to do in your life. That's what God is doing in your life, brother or sister in Christ. You can be sure of that. Jesus gave himself up for his bride, that he might sanctify her, that he might cleanse her, that he might make us more and more like himself and that our lives would rightly reflect the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And when we become more and more like Jesus, God is receiving more and more glory from our lives. So, this is a prayer we can pray. We can pray. We can pray often and we can pray fervently that more and more people would become more and more like Jesus. We can pray that more and more people would come to know Jesus. We can pray that more and more people from different backgrounds would come to know Jesus. God is building his church for his glory and these are prayers that God loves to hear and prayers that God loves to answer with a yes or with a wait and see what I'm about to do because it's far better than what you are praying. God is able to do anything. God will do everything that brings him glory. He brings himself glory by building his church and secondly, he brings himself glory by exalting the name of Jesus. God will do everything that exalts the name of Jesus. Uh, I've asked some of our leaders to come up and to pray over us. So if you guys wanna line up behind this mic here. Yes, building the church exalts the name of Jesus. But I want us to look briefly at some biblical prayers. You had that nice colorful sheet on your seat when you walked in tonight and you've been wondering, just dying to know what that's all about. Uh, You can pull that out now. These are Russell paper, Russell paper, Russell paper. (laughs) No unnecessary rustling of papers, okay? Uh, these are, stay with me now. You guys can do this, I'm confident. Uh, these are biblical prayers. These are prayers that Paul himself specifically prays for God's people. And I would say that these are some prayers that maybe you and I can begin to incorporate into our lives because I think sometimes our prayers can become a bit Formulaic, a bit rote, a bit kind of always the same. And one way for us to grow in our prayer life is to see how scripture informs our praying. And so you're welcome to look down at this sheet or if you prefer to just close your eyes, bow your head, and our leaders are going to pray these prayers over us. And then after that, we've got just a touch more, Uh, but pray these with us as they're praying over you.
1: To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we
1: feel for your sake before our God? as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless and holiness before
0: our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins.
1: And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God.
0: Brothers and sisters, we can talk to our Heavenly Father about anything and everything. But after hearing those prayers and having them prayed over your life, I think we could all agree that we could add some biblical and some weighty prayers to our time with the Lord. Perhaps that means changing our praying from Lord, would you make things more comfortable? Would you make things easier? Or, God, would you just make things safer? What if we changed it instead to God? Would you use this to make me more like Jesus? Would you use this in my life to make much of your name? God, would you help me to be content in this set of circumstances and in any set of circumstances that I'm in so that you might receive glory? Or God, would you give me more opportunities like this so that I would be used by you to build your church and to make much? Of Jesus. Friends, God can do anything, and God will do everything that brings Him glory. Oh, that we would be a people who increase in our zeal and desire and passion for the glory of God. And oh, that our prayer lives would be radically transformed as we desire God to receive more and more glory from our lives, that when we wake up, what consumes us in the morning, what consumes us throughout the day, and what we go to bed thinking about is was my life and is my life, and how can my life be to the praise of his glory? To him be glory throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Amen. So, Father, we come before you. And we ask, O oh God, that you would give us a greater vision of your great ability. That we would be young men and young women who know and know with certainty your power and your beauty and your goodness and your ability. And God, we would be people who pray, people who cry out to you and ask you to do everything even beyond what we can think up, what we can dream, what we can imagine, that we can trust that in everything that we pray, you will answer according to your glory and according to your love for us. So God, would you make us men and women of prayer? And would you make us men and women of great prayer, believing in a great God who can do great things for his glory? It's in that name we pray. Amen.